are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Hello there. Welcome back to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast, episode 52. This is uh, Sam Lubman here with Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky. Shasky, 52, that is the uh, number of games in a row the Giants are about to win. They've got four down already, 48 more to go. That's how I'm feeling right now. Uh, that's what a four-game winning streak is doing to me right now with this team. Uh, I'm, I'm smiling a lot because the Giants are winning finally. And uh, yeah, for the first time in 2023, it is fun to be a Giants fan. Yeah, and it feels like they're putting together some timely hitting with some uh, some decent starting pitching right now, which is turning it around. You got a bullpen game yesterday um, from the team after a beautiful start from Alex Cobb. Maybe the best of the season. I know it's early. Uh, I mean, it's early game shutout. You know, feels like it. Um, are there guys struggling? Of course. <laughs> but right now, I'll take wins however I can get them. Now, the Cardinals have been one of the more disappointing teams in baseball. But it doesn't matter. It does not matter for me, considering the gauntlet that the Giants are going up against in terms of contenders, preseason contenders over the next couple of games uh, and series. So I like it where we're at right now. Yastrzemski's been hot, you know, and uh, obviously Estrada has been outstanding. J.D. Davis, are you kidding me? Like, seriously, it's been really it's been fun, like pleasantly fun. I know we don't want to throw that word to the Giants, but Sam, hasn't it been? It has. So I was I was at the game on Friday night uh, that that seven nothing loss to the Mets. And it was, it was about as dismal as you could probably imagine. It was just it was not fun being at the yard that night. Uh, Stripling was OK. Ross Stripling was pitching that night. He looked OK. And then all of a sudden, you know, he just kind of hangs a slider that Pete Alonzo just, you know, basically Alonzo right over the uh, right over the fence. And then when that happens, just like here we go again. And. They, they were able to put, pull it together after that. Logan Webb, I thought he labored a bit at times on Saturday, but for the most part, that was his strongest start of the year. He finished with 10 straight uh, outs there. And then, uh, yeah, fast forward to who was it that pitched on uh, Sunday? Was it Disclafani on Sunday? Yes, I believe it was. Um, that was another great game against the Mets. Giants come back, winning it in the getting going, the go-ahead run in the eighth, winning it on Sunday night baseball. You always want to win those nationally televised games. And, yeah, Alex Cobb. Uh, last night, or the, yeah, last night, the other night, sorry, Monday night. Again, my day's mixed up here. What day is it again? <laughs> um, that is, yeah, easily the early running for start of the year. You don't see a lot of complete games these days. So the fact that we were able to see a complete game shut out, these are good things. And that brings us to last night, Blake Sable, the walk-off home run. Shasky, I remember back in 2021, the Giants were kind of a little iffy for the first kind of couple months of the season. They were playing well, but not great. Then Mike Talkman made that catch to rob our Pujols of a walk-off home run. And the Giants just took off from there. Is it crazy to think that maybe that walk-off home run by Blake Sable could ignite a similar spark? Um, I mean, it's too premature at this moment, but that doesn't mean a couple of weeks, a month, two months from now, we aren't looking back at this as one of those seminal moments. There's no doubt about it that – um, it feels like they're playing the best ball of the year. It's early, you know, um, but I'll take them wherever I can get them. Cause last year it felt like, you know, early on they were kind of treading water and then about mid May, June, it's just the bottom fell out. And I remember distinctively Rodon had a, 
appearance in St. Louis where he got blown up and it felt like they couldn't turn the corner from that point on last year. I know they finished strong, but it felt like they were treading water. They need to do anything they can right now to just stay in it as long as they possibly can. Uh, I know teams like the Pirates have come out of nowhere and they've been pleasant surprises this year, but there are so many teams that are still going to be involved, even post July 4th, because of the extra wild card spot. Why not the Giants? Like, yeah. why not us? I mean, that's that's kind of the, the, the theme every year. And yeah, we it is still only April 26th. We're not even in a May yet. I always kind of figure whatever the standings look like at the end of May, that's probably what they're going to look like for the rest of the year with a few kind of outliers here and there. I mean, how many times in the last few years have the Rockies always gone off to a hot start? And it's like, what's going on with that? Why are the Rockies on top of the NL West sure. in the end of April? And then the season ends and you're like, okay, yeah, they're in last place where they belong. So, I mean, yeah, teams are still shuffling around in the standings right now. I mean, again, the, the Pirates are the best-looking team in the NL Central right now, and the Cardinals look completely lost. The betting man would probably say that's not going to be the case. Um, even the NL West right now, Giants are like two and a half out of the Dodgers right now, who they're kind of off to a sluggish start. They're only 13-11. and 11. I'm not trying to make this out to, oh, we won four straight. Let's start talking about winning that division. But, you know, the the Giants, yeah, they want to tread water, need to get back to 500, and they're taking advantage of a part of the schedule that we were kind of worried about last week. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, and, you know, are there some things to be kind of worried about? For sure. You know, Brandon Crawford has 10 hits this year in 65 plate appearances. David Muir is right behind him. He's 10 for 66, right? So those are two guys that are in the middle of your infield where, yeah, you've gotten home runs. I believe a a combined seven between the two of them, but they've got 20 hits. Like, I need more hits than that. We're we're, we're getting to the end of the month here. Um, But for each of those guys, I can say, hey, what about Tyro Estrada? He's been outstanding. What about J.D. Davis? I mean, J.D. Davis feels like a revelation right now. The Giants got an unbelievable haul in return for Darren Ruff, who somehow made it back to the Giants. Yeah, no, it's um, it's kind of honestly you're you're seeing a similar situation with the Pirates where they have uh, Brian Reynolds and Andrew McCutcheon, so the Giants are on the raw end of that one. Um, but yeah, no, let's let's talk about JD Davis for a second because it hasn't been a great homestand for him. He's hitting only 174 on this homestand, but it doesn't really feel like it. He had that home run uh, in the eighth inning on uh, Monday night, and you know I love the nicknames you're seeing for him. You no know, JD, just dingers. Uh, he's again the average isn't looking great right now. He's still hitting the ball really well. But Shasky, it's the glove that is really impressing me right now. I mean, J.D. Davis, lockdown, third baseman. Who saw that coming? Not me. Not me. I I thought he was a D.H. first baseman at best, like quite frankly. And defensively, going to his left, going to his right, backing up, going in, showcasing the arm. Like, I am really, really, really surprised to say that. Could he be a short-term solution? Maybe a two-year gap? At third base, could it be something more? I mean, Justin Turner kind of came out of nowhere. I know we're early. Like, I'm not here to like lose my mind out of it, but Justin Turner was a guy who was a late bloomer. And you look up and he's had pretty much a decade of success, right? Mm-hmm. After turning 28 years old. Could JD Davis be one of those kinds of guys? I think maybe opportunity, situation, him adjusting, evolving, maturing. Like, it's all of those things. And right now, I'm here to ride the JD Davis wave. Why not? Oh, absolutely. And just it, he's making the routine plays. But he's made some impressive just web gem quality plays yeah, out is. there. And again, you're a big guy. The eye test, you know me. I love my metrics. He is surprisingly leading in so many defensive mm-hmm. metrics. 
Uh, Fangraphs has all sorts of crazy metrics and stuff like that. One that I kind of look to, it's, it's just basically it's a defensive rating. It's an all-encompassing stat that basically just says, you know, how good you are on defense. Mm-hmm. He leads all third basemen in that defensive rating category. Wow. He's right up there in outs above average. He's right up there again wow. in run prevention. A lot of the, he's, you know, topping, you know, gold glove third basemen are in the league right now, and he's doing better than all of them. And again, you don't need the metrics to prove that because you're seeing it with the eye test every day. If this could keep continuing to your stopgap at minimum for J.D. Davis. Well, what's interesting is you're bringing that up, and I'm looking at somebody in uh, who they're playing right now and Nolan Arenado. I mean, the fact that he's got better metrics than him, I mean, that's that's shocking. And, and then throw in Manny Machado, who is batting, I believe, a shade over 200 right now. He's got some home runs, but J.D. Davis has been better baseball player in the first month than Manny Machado, who yeah. just signed another $400 million deal. So it's it, – it's very interesting to see this this progression. And uh, again, I look at someone like Mike Yastrzemski, who started off hot again this year, hovering around 300. You know, uh, yeah, he had some lows the last couple of years. They've squeaked two pretty productive seasons out of Mike Yastrzemski. You could argue last year, as bad as it was, he was still a productive player. So maybe two- there. What? I mean, the power's still there with Yastrzemski, too. I mean, he's hit you know over 20 home runs in, I think, each of his full seasons. It's the contact that was kind of going away there. And I think, we, you know, we've discussed this on this podcast mm-hmm. before. You know, the elimination of the shift, you're seeing a whole new yeah. Mike Yastrzemski. And a guy like him who the Giants, they really like him. He is looked at as a leader in that clubhouse. When your leaders are playing well, yeah. that can start to become infectious. And that is, I think, what you're seeing around the clubhouse right now is you're starting to see guys feel it. You know, yeah. guys are coming together. They're, they're feeling better. So over the weekend, I was in the clubhouse. Uh, Alex Cobb, I guess, got a bumper pool table, which I don't know if you've ever seen a bumper pool no. table, Shasky. I don't, it's basically, it's, it's a smaller pool table, and there's all these little, like, bumpers sticking out of it. And you got to basically get, you got five cue balls that I get from one side of the, the, the table to the other into a little hole there. And Alex Cobb got over the week, oh, this past week for, the, you know, these guys to play and stuff after games. They're loving it. They're already like gathering around it and they're trying to figure out who's good, who's not, how to play this thing. They're already like, like it's stuff like that. When you're winning, when you have fun stuff to do like that in the clubhouse, like that stuff becomes infectious. When you have great moments like Blake Sable's walk off home run, Gabe Kapler was gushing about Blake Sable last night. And, you know, that these are the, 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 the it feels like this is the kind of things that happen when teams start to maybe figure it out. You got Mitch Hanniger back, Austin Slater's mm-hmm. back. It's starting to look like the 2023 Giants that we were kind of promised after, you know, free agency ended. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And uh, I just, I'm, I'm really excited. And, and look, I kind of know that Farhan can find guys on the periphery. We're still waiting to see some of these youngsters. So as we're talking about who's succeeding and who's not, the fact that David VR is struggling and they're continuing to play him after sending Elliot Ramos down after a week, like I'm encouraged by that. I still see some positives from David VR. So I guess where I'm going at is for every JD Davis success and Mike Estramski and all that, I am happy that they've at least pivoted off of yo-yoing someone like David VR back and forth to AAA because we're getting a chance to see him, and I want to see if he can make or break it. Yeah. Now, let's hold that thought on David VR really quick. You are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lubman here with Joe Shasky. For all your best Giants content, make sure you are liking, reviewing, subscribing to this podcast, and sharing it. We are coming at you every week with as great a Giants content as we can possibly think of. Now, we're talking about David VR. And again, yeah, it's it's been up and down for him. The goods have been really, really good. You've seen it in these home run swings where just the the base of his swing, the mechanics, they're really there. 
But then when they get out of whack, it's kind of becomes difficult, you know, for him to really kind of get hot with the bat. I had a chance to kind of catch up with him over the weekend, just kind of get to know him a little bit. Great guy. He's in high spirits. He's very confident that he can still get his way back. Uh, Gabe Kapler was kind of talking about him in the dugout, uh, talking about his mechanics. He didn't really get into too specifics with his mechanics, but VR, he's very, very particular about, about his mechanics and viewing his mechanics. And the Giants seem to have a plan on how they want him to hone in on, on just how he takes his approach at the plate, what he's doing up there. The Giants are very optimistic about him. And I said to his face, like, you know, I see you as a guy who you could be a foundational piece here. I'm very much rooting for you. And yeah, Shasky, I'm just kind of, you know, I feel like we talked about DVR a lot. You and I are both big DVR fans. You know, despite these struggles, what's something that you're seeing out of him right now that makes you think, you know what? I don't need to be worried about this guy, even though he's hitting, you know, a buck 70 something right now. Well, you're seeing that his defense is still there. Like he made a play the other night with Alex Cobb up the middle where Alex threw it almost basically in the right center field. Yeah, and that, yeah. VR comes out of nowhere, makes the, yeah, <laughs> makes the snag, makes the play, turns the double play. You know, I think there were a lot of people like, oh, I don't think he can play second base. No, I think he can. I really do. Now, I know you have Estrada there as well, but Estrada's being forced to play a lot of shortstop. Positional versatility is extremely important, and then range is completely important. I think defensively at third base, he's had a few gaffes. Mental gaffes is what I would call them, not physical gaffes, mental gaffes. Um, so as he continues to mature and gets options to play at first, second, third base, I still believe the bat will come around. I really like him as a quote-unquote prospect, as a young player. It's going to take time. I think right now you're seeing a man who needs to adjust to the league adjusting to him. Yeah, and again, that does come with time. And like I said, the Giants do seem to have a plan for him. One guy who is kind of having a, an even more brutal adjustment this year is uh, Brandon Crawford versus aging. And Shasky, we saw another brutal error from him last night. It was a hard hit ball right at him. I forget who hit it, um, but just it was a rocket. They were playing the infield in, bounced right off of him and into the outfield. The Cardinals ended up scoring two runs. Again, we are able to kind of move off of it because of Blake Sable. It's it's right now really hard to, to watch Brandon uh, Crawford go right now. He's 36 years old. He's the oldest guy on this roster. And he is very much showing the age right now. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And it's it's frustrating for him. Um, and I think that his range and his size right now, like he just looks a little out of shape. Like, I, I hate to say it. He's always been kind of a, I don't want to say fat because that's not fair. He's always been a thicker guy. He just looks like the shift is killing him. And there was a hot shot from Goldschmidt last night. I think it's a tough play. I mean, it, you're in on the infield. But maybe a couple of years ago, his hands are slightly quicker. I mean, he is a 35, 36-year-old shortstop, you know, and some guys at that age have moved over to third base or second base. Cal Ripken Jr., Omar Vizquel. Like, there are guys, even though Omar waited until he was in his 40s to move over to second base, but there are guys who just move over. And I, I'm not ready to write the last chapter on him, but at the same time, I do think it's worth a conversation. I mean, this was a guy who, you know, back in December – Giants had a new shortstop by the name of Carlos Correa for about a week. And everyone's like, all right, Brandon Crawford's going to be playing third base. That's going to be a great defensive left side of the infield. We were more or less on, we were ready to move him over to third base already. He publicly seemed to be on board with it. He seems very happy to be back at shortstop. I'm sure if you were to give him some truth serum, it'd be like, you know, were you really that jazz to go to third? He probably wouldn't uh, be, you know, saying in the same positive tone that he might have been over the offseason. And that's, you know, that's a competitor in him. He he truly thinks that he is that shortstop, and he always has been. Um, but, yeah, it's – you are seeing it. You know, so 
I like so Fangraphs actually I think has a really cool metric called uh, inside edge fielding where they kind of break down different hits and just how difficult of a play they are to make. So you have your impossible plays, your remote plays, your unlikely plays, plays that you have an even chance of making, plays you have a likely chance of making, and plays you that are basically routine. Now he's doing great on the routine plays because again those are the easy ones, but. It's the plays that you're likely to get. He's really struggling at. He has a career rate of 77% in those, you know, likely to get them plays. He's at 54% right now. Um, the unlikely ones, he's usually been very good at those, you know, getting roughly about 30 to 40%. He's getting mm-hmm. about 10% of those right now. Some of these plays that he's just been very good at making over the years, he's just really struggling. And that's where I think you're really noticing the aging curve is just like, yeah, when he is a step slow on getting to getting some of these balls. And you've noticed that I think over the last couple of years, it's been progressing slowly more and more. I guess, I don't know, Shesky, is, it, is this, I know you said you don't want to write the, the last chapter on Brandon Crawford, maybe not as a player, maybe not as a giant. I do feel like though, it, could this really be the last year we see Brandon Crawford playing shortstop? I, I, th- I feel like it is. I mean, it, it really does feel like it is. And I got this feeling you're going to see Casey Schmidt called up after after Memorial Day. Like, I think that that is on deck. Estrada, uh, I don't think, is is a guy that you can trust at shortstop for long periods of time. So I, I just think that's on deck. I mean, am I reading it wrong, Sam? No, I don't think you are. I mean, I, Andrew Baggerly uh, of The Athletic wrote a really good piece about Brandon Crawford last week where Crawford basically acknowledged, you know, yeah, I'm not doing great right now and that he is more driven than anybody could possibly imagine to get back there. You, The competitor, the competitive spirit is there. Uh, you know, I think it was Saturday. He had a, you know, a couple good hits at the plate. And you just you see in his face when he has a good day at the plate, when he has a good day in the field, his, his face is lighting up a little bit. He's, he's a little bit more of the happier Crawford that we remember. He just needs to put some more, you know, positive outings together. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be, I feel, a slog all year long uh, at watching him at shortstop in, until it isn't. Uh, I don't know. I know he's had issues with the knee in spring training. Maybe that's factoring in as well. Uh, maybe it's going to come to a point where he's just going to have to take, you know, two, three-week stretches on the IL to let that knee rest up because – yeah, I mean, right now it's it's not trending in a great direction. No, it's not. And the unfortunate thing is also the bat looks really slow. Like right now it just does. He's He's got a couple of multi-hit games and then just a couple of hits in the other ones, like all of the other games combined. Uh, he's on the struggle bus. I mean, Sam, it's okay to call it what it is. He's on the struggle bus right now. And it kind of sucks seeing a, a really great giant go out like this. Yeah, it really does. And that's kind of the where it gets into the whole, you know, would you rather get rid of a guy too soon or too early mm. or too late? Mm. Um, I always kind of thought it was a risk bringing Crawford back after 2021. I understand the logic behind it. Giant, he had this, a career year. Giants fans love them. Some Brandon Crawford. His story is arguably, I think, one of the greatest stories in Giants history in terms of just growing up a Giants fan and then becoming, you know, one of the elite players in franchise history. I mean, how many people can say they've done that just, you know, in their lifetimes? Uh, so I understood bringing him back, but you had a free agent class that year that had a lot of really good shortstops like yeah. Javi Baez, Carlos Correa again, uh, who was a Corey Seager, uh, mm. Marcus Simeon was also on the list. Like that in the Giants coming off a 107 win season, I just it felt like a risk to just be like, you know what, we're just going to run it back with Crawford and not look at those other guys. When I mean, an infield of Brandon Crawford and Marcus Simeon or an infield of Brandon Crawford and Corey Seager. I feel like they, they could have found a way to make that work, just kind of be a little bit more aggressive in that sense. But I don't want to say the Giants should be regretting that deal because, again, it's two years going to be up after this year. 
But I think after that two-year deal, like it's it's going to be hard pressed to see him maybe back next year Damn. unless he's in a reduced role or at third base. Sam, I mean. Who's giving him a major league deal to be a starting shortstop? And in, in, I mean, in, Brandon Bell is able to get a, a deal to be on a starting roster. Grant was a you know league minimum with a minor league camp invite. That might be what Crawford's looking at next year. I, I, and, I think I think it is. And so if he I, wants to play next year, you know, either he's going to have to dramatically improve or he's going to have to accept a, a very reduced role. I, I I wonder. You think the Carlos Correa thing um, plays into this at all into his psyche? I'm, I'm sure not making an excuse. I'm asking sincerely. Do you think maybe he was thinking about a position change and maybe in the offseason put on some weight to, to, to switch spots or, or I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm thinking out loud here. That is an interesting point. I've never actually thought of that being part of the reason. I think I'm surely, I feel like it's pretty easy to say that the, 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 the idea of moving him to third base probably didn't sit with him very well at first. Um, when you're so accustomed to be in one position, guys, mm. they get territorial over that. They get proud of the work that they do at a position. And it's hard to want to let go. No one wants to admit that they're mm. older. No one wants to admit that they aren't the young person they want to do. I wake up in the morning and my back sore. I'm like, why? I didn't do anything last night. But oh, I'm also 30 years old. Yes. No, that's not that's not what it is. It's just I had to slept something. No, my back's fine. I, I still have denial about it. Um, but that's just the reality of life and, and what we're seeing from him. Maybe it's just for some guys, it happens slowly and gracefully. Some yeah. guys, it happens overnight. Crawford, he might be more in the overnight category in terms of just how he ages. So, well, and let's let's call it what it is. 2020 wasn't the greatest year for him. 2021 was 2020 was not. Um, you are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lubman and Joe Shassi coming at you every week. For more of your Giants content, make sure you're liking, subscribing, reviewing and sharing this podcast. Because, again, every week we're coming at you with all the best Giants content. You don't want to be missing it. So, Shasky, we talked to Dave Fleming on the morning roast yesterday. He brought up the catching position, and he basically kind of declared that the catching position might be something we need to worry about. Now, Joey Bart exited last night's game uh, with a groin injury. Doesn't seem like there's going to be an IL stint. Sorry, it was the night before he exited. Um, it, he exited with a groin injury. They do not expect a, an IL stint. But again, we started this season seeing the Giants with, you know, four, five, almost six catchers. And now it's, you know, Blake Sable, hope Joey Bart's okay, and Gary Sanchez looming in the minor leagues. The deadline to call him up is, you know, this week is uh, Monday, May 1st. So the Giants are either they're going to either give him a shot to see what he has or they're going to let him go. I know the Giants don't like to leave stones unturned. If Bart maybe does go on the IL just so they can see what Sanchez has. I mean, where are your thoughts just right now where the catching position is? I think it's it, it's frustrating. I think it's very frustrating. I think you're going to – you're seeing this with the San Francisco uh, Giants in left field. How many different left fielders have we had since Barry Bonds? Yeah. How many different aces have they had since Tim Lincecum? Yeah. You know, since Bumgarner even. For, since Bumgarner, great. You know, I mean, I would even throw Bumgarner and Matt Cain in that mix. Matt Cain, Bumgarner, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Gosman, Logan Webb, uh, Carlos Rodon. Like now you got Alex Cobb. Like, hey, was it Johnny Cueto the opening day? Cueto, Cueto, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So you get where I'm going with this? Like yeah. replacing legends are very, very, very difficult. And I was really happy for Joey Bart. He hit a big double the other night. Um, it feels like the bat looks faster. Uh, he's still got a lot of strikeouts. He's walking a little more, which is nice. Uh, defensively, he's thrown some guys out, which is good. He has a quick release time. Really does. Yeah, don't love the framing and the glove work, but I think that's a work in progress because of the switch in the mechanics of one leg down. 
but why not see Sanchez if Bart's hurt right now? I, I got this feeling, though. I think we're going to see Bailey by the end of the year. I think he's a September call-up. I really do. I think that would be a great idea. Me, personally, I just... The idea of Gary Sanchez coming up, it just feels like another, like, Farhan, what are we doing here kind of Why? Moment. Why? Why do you say that? Because it just feels like, again, like, Far, again, like Farhan loves finding those, like, kind of dumpster divey players. Let's just jump <laughs> in and see what this guy has. And, again, it's, it's at the point where it's just like, I kind of want to be done with that. You know, like... I really felt that we were going to have a more stable roster this year. Again, you know, injuries kind of derailed the best laid plans. But when I see a Gary Sanchez, I see guys like, like almost like you're mean Mercedes last year. I was very excited when Mercedes came up because I thought this guy, he has all the tools they yeah. love. He hits it right to where they're going to want him to like that. You know, being able to hit it out to left field at Oracle Park is going to be perfect for him. And he ended up being a pumpkin and Gary Sanchez just kind of has that same thing. Sure. Don't you have to, don't you have to, Crack a few pumpkins before you get to uh, a Christmas tree. I don't well, know. I mean, that's not the analogy. <laughs> I've, never, I've never heard that one before. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's Sanchez. Yeah, he had moments. And yeah. I'm sure if you look at certain elements of his baseball savant page, you'd be like, oh, well, if he does this and this, but not this, and maybe a little bit of this. Yeah. Like, come on, you know, like, sure. It, it, let's, if you want to see what he does, sure. I feel like we already know where this experiment goes. Maybe there's a pleasant surprise in Gary Sanchez can produce for the Giants. I don't want to say stick. I just want What about stick. Blake Sable? You're not bringing up Blake Sable. What about him? Yeah, you know what? Let's get into Blake Sable because he's another guy who every time they talk about just kind of uh, throwing to him, Giants pitchers love throwing to him. He had a bullpen game last night, and Brebia was incredibly uh, just profusely just, just raving about how great Sable was behind the plate. And – yeah, I think what was it was a couple a couple weeks ago when uh, Roberto Perez went down. Sable came in kind of as an emergency, and again, seamless transition for a guy who really isn't, I think, much of a catcher, but he is handling the position very well. Yeah, I I I think he he might be at very least a platoon option. You know what I mean? At the very least, uh, at the most. Maybe he sneaks in and is a one-year starter or a two-year starter or someone that you can at least have in the mix because clearly he's got pop in the bat as evidence to the walk-off last night. Um, they're going to give him a long opportunity here because you have to concede him back to the Pirates if he doesn't stick on the team for the entire year. I don't know. I, I'm I'm more open to the Blake Sable thing than I was in preseason, and yeah. I think that's because I've seen him now, and I actually really like his story, and I like who he is. Yeah, and I think and Kapler said after the game last night that he's, you know, he's not surprised by the success that Blake Sable has had at the plate. And yeah, he is starting to view him as more of a you're on this roster kind of exactly. guy, not a you're a rule five draft pick kind of guy. So uh Shasky, I kind of want to move off the catching position here because uh the Giants, they kind of have a, a fun weekend ahead of them here. They're heading south of the border to Mexico City. They're going to be playing in the I hope I do not botch this name, Alfredo Harp Helu Stadium. Uh, it was built back in 2019. I don't know if you've seen pictures of the stadium, Shasky. It's a it's a pretty cool looking baseball field that the Giants can be playing on this weekend against the Padres. It is, and I believe one of the minority owners for the Padres is somehow connected to the stadium and the team that's in Mexico. Um, and so that's kind of the connection there. Well, first off, we get to see the Padres. That's number one. And Fernando Tatis Jr., who was dancing in the outfield last night to chance of steroids, which was great. He Why looks like he will ever do that. <laughs> I know. He looks like his old self. I mean, I'm interested to see them because they're team look i think giants fans envy the padres i don't think that that's something we can dismiss they've How got all these that? you know uh juan soto a guy who i want the giants to still go after he's batting 161 since being acquired by the padres last year isn't that crazy 
I heard, I guess he's been having some kind of issues with the pitch clock. You hear a lot of pitchers yeah. kind of having issues with their mm-hmm. time in the pitch clock. Mm-hmm. He's been kind of coming out and saying, you know, this is throwing me off a little bit too. And that's kind of, you know, pl- might be playing into it there. So, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is a struggle that goes back beyond this year. Like if he was struggling last year before the pitch clock, that's one where it's like, I mean, he's young enough where you're not going to worry. Maybe there's a, a level of the, the way he was brought to San mm-hmm. Diego, uh, just put a lot of expectations on him. But this is a guy who, he was what 19, 20 years old and helping the nationals win a world series. He was playing stellar baseball on the grandest stage before he could even drink a beer. Yeah. It is kind of surprising to think that something like a pitch clock could be throwing him off, but that just shows you this is a difficult game. You know, it really is. It really is. The giants. I think they have a chance this weekend to maybe kind of take advantage and get some extra wins against the Padres that they might not have, you know, originally gotten because Padres are kind of wounded right now. So you got to strike kind of while the iron's hot. I totally agree, and I, I just think it's a good litmus test for the Giants right now. I really do. You got Xander Bogarts, obviously, was acquired. Machado, who's been struggling out the gates. Um, they've got a phenomenal pitching staff. I think this is a great matchup for the Giants. I think it's a great litmus test, and more than anything, I think it's fun that Major League Baseball is now going into Mexico. I, I think this is going to be an untapped market for them, and I know people who oh, expansion, expansion. Why not have a Japanese division? Why not have a Mexico division? Like I'm all in on this. Um, so, yeah, no, I think that's actually an interesting thought. That would be kind of cool. Um, I mean, it's going to be a fun – one thing that's going to be really fun about this series, I think, Shasky, that I think maybe it should be fun. I think we should probably maybe be a little worried about it. So you know how we always dread when the Giants go to Coors Field because yeah. it's a mile high and we're like, oh, there go the ERAs. This stadium six, sits over 6,600 feet above sea level. This thing is higher than Coors Field. You know, I, when I was saying goodbye to Dave Fleming the other day, it's like, you know, how high up is this place? And he told me, you know, the 6600 is like, oh, RIP those ERAs. Shasky, we could be seeing a bit of a home run derby. We got a, a Padres team that's full of sluggers. And then we got a Giants team where they said this year they're going to hit a lot of home runs. And, you know, we were texting last night, you know, saying, oh, this team, they can't actually hit home runs. And then seconds later, Blake Sable walks it off. So we got two teams that are capable of, you know, putting the ball into the seats. We could see a bit of a fireworks show this weekend even. And, no, no pitchers have been announced yet. Maybe the pitchers are just kind of refusing to want to pitch because they just are, are worried of how many home runs they're going to be given up. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see this. And I'm kind of excited to see what the reception is fan-wise, aren't you? Yeah, the, it's not a big stadium. It only holds 20,000 people. Um, I wonder if maybe they're going to try and bring in some extra auxiliary seating to try and get more people in there because – this is the you know Major League Baseball's first foray foray into Mexico. Uh, they got two teams I think are going to resonate well with the local fan base there. Obviously, San Diego very close to Mexico. San Francisco has a very large San Francisco and the Bay Area in general have a very large Hispanic population. So I think there's a lot of cultural connections there that the local fan base can maybe have with these two teams. Twenty thousand people seems like not that many. Didn't when the Yankees and Red Sox played in London a few years ago? Didn't they play at Wembley, if I recall? Like, which is a yeah. much bigger stadium. So I'd be kind of curious to see if they maybe do anything extra there. But I'm very excited because it's a very cool field. It's, it's yes. a circular field. The left field and right field are 325. Center field straight away is 400. So it's spacious. I it's gonna be a really cool uh, just situation to see the Giants playing. And you know what? I wouldn't mind seeing other kind of special locations for if not just the Giants, but, you know, just other teams. Well, we've talked about the Field of Dreams game. I think you mentioned last year at one point you wanted to see the Giants and Dodgers play a game in like upstate New York or something like that to kind of harken back to those giant, you know, those New York Giants, Brooklyn Dodger days. This is how you make baseball cool. Let's go to cool places. Let's put on cool shows. And that is how I think you truly, you know, expand and grow the game. So Shasta, before we uh, sign off here, do you have any final thoughts that you want to get off before we head out? 
No, I'm just excited that baseball's, uh, you know, kicking in and the Giants aren't dead. They're not just completely dead. They're showing signs of life and there's some positives that we can take away. Alex Cobb, what a heck of a signing. He looks really good. Mm-hmm. Discofani looks like he's bounced back. You know, Yastrzemski looks really good. J.D. Davis looks really good right now. Tyro Estrada looks really good right now. Who is the youngster they're going to call up first? That's what I'm hanging on right now. I, and Harrison feels very, very close. I believe Harrison had eight or nine strikeouts in three innings. You know, Harrison could be right around the corner. I mean, the Giants are already kind of going to bullpen games. So, I mean, eventually they could need a starter soon. But that might be the thing to keep an eye on. So, uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. This is Sam Lum along with Joe Shasky on the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Make sure you're liking and reviewing and subscribing and all those other things you do with the podcast. And we will catch you on the next one.